Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only. And I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Savage Nation podcast. Today we're going to talk about electric cars, electric vehicles. Let me begin at the beginning. 
The beginning is the first law of thermodynamics, which states that energy cannot be created or destroyed. That's a very important concept when we talk about electric cars. In other words, you can't get something for nothing. First law of thermodynamics states that energy cannot be created or destroyed. The total quantity of energy in the universe stays the same. So what does it have to do with electric cars? What does it have to do with blood batteries? What does it have to do with the real cost of electric vehicles? Well, we'll talk about all of those things and much more today on the Savage Nation podcast. Let me begin by saying that I am fundamentally a conservationist. I'm an animal rights activist. We fund animal groups. We take care of animals the best we can. I am an earth firster. Believe me, I have been involved in environmental causes or conservation causes since I'm a teenager, and I don't want to sit here and tell you about them. It's, imp it's important that you understand that I would like clean energy. From the beginning of time, when mankind first discovered that he could put two pieces of wood under his feet and ski down a hill, he thought that he could get energy for nothing. Then he realized he had to trudge up that hill to go down the hill on those two pieces of wood called skis. When mankind first set out from the shores onto his little canoes or rowboats, he realized it would be nice if he didn't have to row across large expanses of water. And then he discovered the sail. That was wonderful. But of course, that energy of the wind, the wind energy, was not created. It was not destroyed. It was just utilized. When it comes to electric vehicles, the batteries that you are using in your car or other electric vehicle costs an awful lot of energy to manufacture. Great environmental costs are involved in creating batteries. You may not want to hear this, all you good liberals out there, but child labor in Congo, in Africa, accounts for an estimated 30 or more percent of Congo's cobalt. The country of Congo mines more than 70% of the global total. And these kids, children, are forced to work in these mines. African children, black children. All you good white liberals don't know about that. You think you're cleaner, better, and finer than everybody else because you don't emit any carbon. But what about the total fuel consumption for mining ore for the construction of electric car batteries? Doesn't that cost something? It takes about 21 billion gallons of fuel a year to mine ore. That You know, ore, iron ore, to make electric car batteries. <laughs> and uh, these 21 billion gallons of fuel that are burned can only produce enough ore to build 250,000 electric car batteries. The lifespan of an electric battery is only 10 years. It's not renewable. And by the year 2050, these batteries will fill landfills with at least 50 million pounds of waste that does not break down. But again, you don't want to know about any of these things. You think it's clean and pure and you're better than everybody else. So we'll talk about blood batteries today, the real cost of electric vehicles on the Savage Nation podcast, the Michael Savage podcast. 
And before we go into the actual discussion of this, we'll go back to the genius Greeks who discovered the laws of thermodynamics. And the first law of thermodynamics states that energy cannot be created or destroyed. In other words, you get nothing for nothing. You don't get something for nothing. So in other words, when you have that electric battery, you're not actually creating energy. What you're doing is harvesting energy. And we'll talk more about that as we go on today. So, of course, we're all hearing more and more about electric cars. Biden's pushing them. Musk is the richest man on earth. It's hard to believe that the original one, the jokingly lowly Prius, has been with us for 20 years. The Prius, with its humble profile and its free pass to California's carpool lanes. These days, the once celebrated Prius now seems a little clunky and outmoded, doesn't it? Along has come Elon Musk and his Tesla. Sleeker, sexier, muscular. The Prius went from zero to 60 in about 10.3 seconds. Tesla does it in about 2.5 seconds. And it's all electric, not just partly electric. On the other hand, every new technology brings risks, especially if the technology is pushed too fast. Teslas have been known to blow up unexpectedly on freeways. And the self-driving version does sometimes take a wrong turn. And later on, you will learn that the self-driving electric cars emit radiation. You didn't know that. They're like gigantic microwave ovens that emit radiation that may be very harmful to humans, but we'll get to that later. Now, those events don't get as much attention from the media as Musk's ventures into space. But then those can blow up as well. These risks are relevant to today's podcast The fact that Democrats full steam ahead on Green New Deal and electric car promotion tells us that when technology is made ruler over everything, as we've seen recently with social media technology and what it has done, having been permitted to go too fast, a little disaster here or there is considered nothing to worry about. Musk became the richest man on the planet in early January 2021, overtaking Jeff Bezos. But Bezos reclaimed the prize on February 16th. But now let's get back to electric cars. What are the Democrats' all-electric policy plans, and who stands to gain from them? Well, the Biden administration is proposing an all-electric requirement for federal government vehicles, and many state and local governments will likely follow suit. You think mandates for average Americans can be far behind? They're trying to mandate vaccines. Why shouldn't they mandate electric vehicles? And yet... As so many things in public policy, think of the COVID responses, there is more hype and hysteria behind the electric car push than reason and logic. The hype comes from those in government and industry who stand to make fortunes from this conversion from gas to electric. The government media complex, which operates hand in glove with China business interests, that would include Biden, McConnell, Swalwell, Feinstein, and God knows who else. We all know that China stands to profit enormously from a gas-to-electric conversion. The hysteria comes from the wailing of climate alarmists, 
from the stupid girl Greta Dumberg in Europe to Hollywood hypocrites who take private jets to climate meetings like Leon DiCrapio. Private jets to climate meetings. John Kerry, private jet to climate meetings. If you want some reason and logic with your morning coffee or your evening wine, I'm here to tell you that there's a lot more to the electric vehicle story than what you're being told. They may hold great promise, but today I will let you in on a dirty little secret. As it stands today, the electric car industry is not as environmentally clean as they'd like you to believe, and it certainly isn't morally clean either. Today we'll explore one main question. Apart from the hype and hysteria, are electric cars good for the planet? Well, here are the facts. You decide. I'm Michael Savage. Share this with 10 other people. Thank you for listening. Savage, a host like no other. There's a great article from AutoWeek.com that was done a while ago, which asks the question, do the plants that actually make them creating more pollution than electric vehicles eliminate? See, no one's thought of that. And what they say in this article is interesting. Amid a rush by some countries to field electric cars and get gas and diesel cars off the road as soon as possible, not enough consideration is given to just how environmentally costly it will be to produce EV batteries for an all-electric future or where the electricity to power millions of electric cars will come from. They write that early studies of lithium-ion EV battery production are far from encouraging. Researchers are finding that battery production for electric cars ultimately produces more carbon dioxide, up to 74% more, than an efficient conventional car. Now, let me repeat that. Researchers are finding that battery production for electric cars ultimately produces more carbon dioxide. Put that in your seltzer and drink it. Up to 74% more carbon dioxide, Bernie Dumb Sanders, you putz you. Up to 74% more carbon dioxide than an efficient conventional car if those batteries are produced in a factory powered by fossil fuels. As battery production scales up, so will emissions from factories producing the batteries in the first place. Factories that themselves rely on less than clean energy to create the batteries. Henrik Fisker, CEO of Fisker Inc., told Bloomberg, it will come down to where is the battery made, how is it made, and even where do we get our electric power from. And one problem with current lithium-ion battery production, a battery that weighs around 1,000 pounds and is the single most expensive component in an EV, 1,000 pounds, is that the metals to build the battery are mined in just a handful of countries using methods that are far from environmentally friendly, like your friend China. Another big problem, one that is not fully felt with the current number of EVs on the road, is where the energy to build the batteries and EVs comes from. Did you think about that? Well, we'll explore that today on the Savage Nation podcast. I hope you're still listening and you haven't gone to sleep. And now we talk about being greener than thou. 
all of the smug people, first in their Priuses, thought they were better than you, and they would cut you off from the right lane while giving you a finger because, of course, they were better than you. But now we have to ask the question, are electric cars greener than fossil fuel-powered cars? Great article on this from youmatter.world. And they ask, are electric cars really greener and eco-friendly? They seem to be a great solution to fight climate change, and they're even said to have zero emissions. But are they worth it? Are they harmless to the planet? They write that the fundamental difference between conventional thermal cars, I like that, my cars are thermal cars, and electric cars has to do with the process of transforming the potential or stored energy into kinetic movement energy. In thermal cars, that means the car we generally drive, the gasoline cars, the energy is stored in a chemical form, meaning gasoline, and is released through a chemical reaction inside the engine called an internal combustion engine. The chemical in the car, the gasoline, has energy in it. And it's released through combustion, spark plugs, etc. But are electric cars and vehicles greener? Not always. If the source of energy to power these cars does not come directly from solar panels, wind turbines, or even nuclear or hydroelectric, their CO2 emissions are higher. If the electricity used to charge cars comes from the burning of fossil fuels, it really doesn't matter if the electric car is not polluting while being driven because this pollution was already released in some distant power plant. Let me repeat that. You pull up in your smug little electric car to a charging station somewhere outside, I don't know, a supermarket or outside a, a Macy's store, and you say, that's great. But did you ask yourself where does the electricity come from? Well, it comes from somewhere, as I told you in the beginning, you cannot create or destroy energy. It comes from something. It comes from burning fossil fuels. And it doesn't matter if the electric car you're driving is not polluting while being driven and you feel clean as the driven snow, because this pollution to make the electricity was already released in some distant power plant. But as long as it's not in your back seat, you don't care. So if you're driving an electric car in the U.S., you'll probably release more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere than if you're driving it in Iceland that runs almost entirely on hydro, geothermal, and solar energy. But as long as it's not in your back seat, why care about it, right? Wrong. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. And now we have to look at the high cost of recycling lithium-ion batteries from electric vehicles. Okay, that's what we're going to do right now. What does it cost to recycle these batteries? Something we have to look at. Again, one of those hidden, uh, you know, energy things that no one ever talks about. You have a nice, clean car, and you think it's cleaner than the driven snow, and you're making all the eco-freaks happy. But if you look at the recycling of the lithium-ion batteries that are in your electric vehicles, you come up with a different conclusion. There's a great article on this from nature.com. And what they write is, if you look at a conservative assumption of an average battery pack weight of 250 kilograms and a volume of half a cubic meter, they're huge batteries. The resultant pack wastes would comprise around 250,000 tons 
and a half a million cubic meters of unprocessed pack waste when these vehicles reach the end of their lives. Hear that? Now, although reuse and current recycling processes can divert some of these wastes from landfill, the burden of electric vehicle waste is very substantial given the growth trajectory of the electric vehicle market. Very serious discussion. In terms of storing batteries before repurposing them or final disposal in the testing and dismantling process, it requires a tremendous amount of chemical separation. And given that the environmental footprint of manufacturing electric vehicles is heavily affected by the extraction of raw materials and production of lithium-ion batteries, the waste streams will inevitably place different demands on end-of-life dismantling and recycling systems. They don't just disappear. You may not know this, but a fire in stockpile tires in Wales smoldered for 15 years from 1989 to 2004, just from a stockpile of tires. Did you know that? And since the electrode materials in electric vehicles are far more reactive than tire rubber, without a proactive and economically sound waste management strategy for these things, there are possibly greater dangers associated with stockpiling end-of-life batteries, electric batteries. The number of fires already being reported in metal recovery facilities is increasing because of the illicit or accidental concealment of LIBs in lead-acid batteries. Now, what's an LIB? A liquid-ion battery, right? Among examples of recent major fires are those that took place in metal recovery facilities in Shoreway, San Carlos, California, in September 2016, in Jersey in August 2018, and Tacoma, Washington in September of 2018. So there's a very, very high environmental cost of recycling lithium-ion batteries from electric vehicles. And I think you have to think about that the next time you want to buy one. What's the overall cost uh, in terms of energy? This is Michael Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So we can learn what's coming by looking at other countries. So there's a great article from cfact.org entitled Electric Vehicle Shock Treatment Lessons from Britain. And they're talking about the Democrats, the new Green Deal, where they want 100% electric vehicles, whether we the people want it or not. And during an October town hall, Biden said that his plan will save billions of gallons of oil and help create one million auto industry jobs by banning the sale or manufacture of new internal combustion engine vehicles by 2030. Exactly how this will happen in the real world, he didn't say, because it's a total BS. It's all a lie. Following the lead of the totalitarian China, U.S. automakers, not just Tesla, are all aboard for this big switchover. As IC vehicles, those are internal combustion engine vehicles, are replaced and gasoline stations are transformed into electric vehicle charging stations, the pressure will be on to get rid of the remaining internal combustion engine vehicles and buy more EVs. China-friendly General Motors plans to spend $20 billion on EV and self-driving vehicle technology through 2025, including producing 23 different models of electric vehicles by 2023. 
Ford Motor Company has pledged to invest $11 billion by 2022 on EV development. Another downside of vastly increasing the number of electric vehicles, and I said this before, is that the metals and minerals increasingly come from nations like China, Chile, and Congo, where fair wage, child labor, workplace safety, and environmental standards are far below anything the U.S. or EU would tolerate. But that does not bother a liberal, as long as it's not in their back seat. In fact, we could call this section, not in my back seat, because they don't care that there are child slave laborers making the batteries for that clean, perfect little car, as long as it's not in their back seat. EV batteries also require more energy to manufacture than batteries and engines for internal combustion vehicles, and recycling them is very complicated, expensive, and filled with pollution and public health risks, again, down the road. The financial firm UBS discovered in researching that replacing global sales of conventional internal combustion vehicles with electric vehicles would require a 28, 98% increase in lithium production. That's a 3,000% increase in the production of lithium. And almost 2,000% increase in cobalt, a 524% increase in graphite, a 105% increase in nickel, a 655% increase in rare earth minerals, and at least a tripling of copper production. To produce all of this work, Coal, diesel, and gasoline burning would also skyrocket. Again, hidden costs. But as long as it's not in my back seat, the good liberal just doesn't care. I'm Michael Savage. I hope you're still with me on EVs because they may be more dangerous than ETs. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. So now we get to the most embarrassing part about electric vehicles, which is the fact that child labor is used in Africa to dig for cobalt and copper. There's a great article about this entitled Hunt for the Blood Diamond of Batteries Impedes Green Energy Push in DNYUZ.com. And it goes like this. And they write about Albert Yuma Mulimbi, a longtime power broker in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is an oxymoron. That's like calling the United States a democratic republic. And chairman of a government agency that works with international mining companies to tap the nation's copper and cobalt reserves. Yeah, tap, in other words, rip it out of the earth. Used in the fight against global warming. They write that Mr. Yuma's professed goal is to turn Congo into a reliable supplier of cobalt, a critical metal in electric vehicles, and shed its anything-goes reputation for tolerating an underworld where children are put to work and unskilled and ill-equipped diggers of all ages get injured or killed. Mr. Yuma says we have to reorganize the country and take control of the mining sector, right? But to many in Congo, not the Congo, to many in Congo in the United States, Mr. Yuma himself is a problem. He is the chairman of Gekka Mines, Congo's state-owned mining enterprise, and he has been accused of helping to divert billions of dollars in revenues, according to confidential State Department legal filings reviewed by the Old York Times and uh, based on interviews with a dozen current and former officials in both countries. 
Top State Department officials tried to force him out of the mining agency and push for him to be put on a sanctions list, arguing he has for years abused his position to enrich friends, family members, and political allies. Political allies. Does Biden come to mind and Hunter? Effectively operating his own foreign policy apparatus. Gee, that sounds familiar. But Mr. Yuma has hired well-connected lobbyists. Those are pimps who write and blog about how good the bad people are. And with his lobbyists, he wired an undisclosed $1.5 million to a former White House official. Who would that be? Hmm. Offered the United States intelligence about Russia, more crap, and critical minerals, and made a visit to Trump Tower in New York, according to interviews and confidential documents. So here we go again. Trump did it. Batteries containing cobalt reduce overheating in electric cars and extend their range. But the metal has become known as the blood diamond of batteries because of its high price. Because of its high price and the very, very dangerous conditions in Congo, the largest producer of cobalt in the world. So car makers who don't want the bad publicity, meaning consumer blowback and riots in the streets, are trying to find alternatives to the element in electric vehicles, the alternatives to cobalt. And they're increasingly looking to other nations with smaller reserves as possible suppliers of cobalt. The president of Congo has tried to sideline Mr. Yuma by stacking Jekka mines with his own appointees, but he's been unwilling to take him on even further. During an interview at his hillside palace in Kinshasa, Mr. Tshekitidi said he had his own strategy for fixing the country's dangerous mining conditions. And so the standoff, they write, between Yuma and the president mimics power struggles that have torn apart African countries rich with natural resources in the past, no matter what the resources may have been. And no one knows how this is going to play out in this war for a transition from gasoline-burning vehicles to battery-powered vehicles. And the question is, for the Congo, will the leadership help the nation ride the global green wave into an era of new prosperity? Or will he help condemn the nation to even more turmoil through the slave labor and the ripping up of the earth? We'll find out in time. I'm Michael Savage. Savage, a host like no other. The other day I was driving around in San Francisco and we noticed a driverless car going by that had some weird things on it. And we were talking about it and I learned that these cars, these self-driving cars, have radar systems that use very high frequency radiation. And a bell went off in my head. I said, wait a minute, I'm a boater. And I have radar on the top of my radar tower. But I learned from the day I first bought a boat with radar that it emits microwave high-frequency radiation and to not stand in the front of the boat, you know, when you're running your radar because some of the rays could hit you. I rarely use the radar on my boat. I don't need it because I'm rarely out at sea in a storm. I use it once in a while just to exercise uh, the radar tower. But let's look at driverless cars and will they cause DNA damage and cancer. It's a great article. There is a great article on this by John P. Thomas in Health Impact News. 
And the sum total is this. Driverless cars are seen as the next big market potential for the automotive industry. Vehicle crashes and fatalities are minor concerns, he writes, compared to potential human DNA damage and increased risks of cancer. And here's what he writes. These cars will have visual scanning cameras, laser sensors, and lots of microwave radar systems. Self-driving cars may have up to 10 microwave radar systems using very high-frequency radiation. Each radar system in those cars will use a different frequency of microwaves in the gigahertz spectrum and will broadcast that radiation in a specific direction. Multiple radar systems will be located in the front grille of the cars and will project microwave radiation in front of the vehicle. The forward-facing radar systems, of course, focus on detecting objects at various distances. Other microwave radar systems on these self-driving cars focus on activity behind and aside the vehicles. Microwaves pass through glass and enter vehicles. Let me repeat that. Microwaves go through glass and enter cars. Thus, passengers will constantly be irradiated by microwave radiation coming at them from their own vehicle and from other vehicles on the road. And whenever two cars with microwave radar come toward each other on a two-lane road, both vehicles will directly irradiate the people in the other car or the other vehicle. When two vehicles with radar are following one another at a modest and safe distance, the people in both vehicles will experience constant microwave radiation exposure from the forward-looking or backward-looking radar beams. This means that passengers in vehicles will be frequently exposed to microwave radar radiation from all directions unless they happen to be driving on a deserted road. But even when they might be on an empty road, they will still have constant microwave radiation exposure from the hotspot antennas on their own vehicle, in addition to their own onboard microwave Wi-Fi system. Never thought about that, did you? If anyone in the car is using the Wi-Fi on their smartphone, tablet, or laptop, then they will constantly be bombarded by the microwaves coming from these devices. Listen to me. This article is incredible. It's from John P. Thomas, Health Impact News, and he goes on. It's a very important thing for you to understand. Cars are metal boxes which encapsulate microwaves. Microwave signals are reflected off surfaces and bounce around inside vehicles, and they're very easily absorbed by human tissues. So even if you aren't holding a smartphone close to your body, you're still being saturated with microwave radiation as your technology uses Wi-Fi to communicate with the car's hotspot transmitter. Microwaves that radiate from smartphones and other devices are like secondhand tobacco smoke. It's not only the person who is smoking or using the smartphone that is affected by the smoke or the microwaves, but everyone in the nearby environment is contaminated with the carcinogenic smoke or microwave smog. While there is certainly some safety to be concerned about with regard to driverless cars, 
I must tell you that there's more to the microwave uh, issue than uh, you may imagine. The danger of 5G hasn't been proven. 5G packs a tiny fraction of the energy of visible light. Now, it's true that these vehicles will expose us to some microwave radiation at frequencies such as 10 gigahertz, 76 to 79 gigahertz, and 140 gigahertz. And while safety has not been established for these frequencies or any of the others that saturate our environment today, I have to repeat again, the danger of 5G hasn't been proven. So I should say that the judge is still out on the possible danger of the microwave radiation emitted by driverless cars. This is a great article in Health Impact News by John P. Thomas. Will driverless cars cause DNA damage and cancer? Think very carefully before you go any further with these questions because there's a lot to think about that you're not reading in the newspapers. And I hope some of the material that you have heard about today on the Savage Nation podcast will be used to good advantage as you make your decision as to whether or not to go to driverless cars and or electric vehicles. I'm Michael Savage. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.